1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
2: This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
3: Coming up. They have nothing. Former President Donald Trump indicted by a grand jury.
2: This is a case that would not have been brought against another individual in this country if his name wasn't Donald Trump. Plus.
3: Just please hurry, I'm hearing you. They're coming, they're coming. Heartbreaking 911 calls from inside the Nashville school shooting. And a jury decides who they think was telling the truth in a ski slope collision. I said,
4: You skied directly into my effing back, and he said, oh, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry.
3: Hello, I'm Stacey Lynn in Washington. Allison is off. History was made in New York after a grand jury voted to indict former President Donald Trump. CBS's Jared Hill is in Manhattan.
0: We're
5: witnessing American history. This is the first time a former president has been charged with a crime.
1: The indictment is under seal, though the Manhattan DA and grand jury had been probing allegations that business records may have been falsified to hide an alleged hush money payment to adult film star Stormy Daniels. This would have happened before the 2016 election. Key witness and ex-Trump fixer Michael Cohen claimed Trump directed him to make that payment. Trump has repeatedly denied it. They have nothing. Two sources familiar with this matter tell CBS News that former President Trump could be publicly arraigned on Tuesday.
6: He will have a mugshot. He will get a booking number. He will uh, give fingerprints.
1: Multiple top Republicans came to Trump's defense. I think the
7: unprecedented indictment of a former president of the United States on a campaign finance issue is an
0: outrage.
5: This is going to destroy America. We're going to fight back at the ballot box. We're not going to give in.
1: Top Democrats have called for the legal process to play out peacefully and without interference, including Representative Nancy Pelosi, who released a statement saying, in part, no one is above the law and everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence. Hopefully, the former president will peacefully respect the system.
3: Trump is calling the indictment political persecution, and his lawyer told CBS.
2: This is a case that would not have been brought against another Individual in this country, if his name wasn't Donald Trump.
3: We turn now to the deadly school shooting in Nashville, where very unsettling 911 calls have been released from the attack at the Covenant School. CBS's Mark Strassman reports.
0: The first 911 calls from the Covenant School came just after 10 a.m. Monday, muffled but clearly desperate. Approximately how many shots have you heard? Uh, a lot, a lot of shots. Witnesses describe the shooter dressed in a vest and camouflage. You're going down the hall shooting, there's glass, there's glass in the doors. Another caller cowering in an art room closet shushes students as she calls for help.
8: Right,
0: just please hurry, I you. They're coming,
8: they're coming. Come, just, try, just try, okay, try to stay quiet. I don't know what's going on there, but, um...
0: Outside Tennessee State Capitol building, the second stage of grief anger thousands of protesters demanding new laws to limit the state's easy access to guns
3: greg poland's family lives just miles away from the covenant school in nashville he says he passes by there every day when he takes his three kids to their school he told me it's been really rough talking to them about this with it hitting so close to home
5: it's challenging because like you don't want to push the issue and getting them thinking about it more than they already are and having them dwell on it and everything about it at the same time. You want to make sure that they are talking or know that they can talk about it and try to get stuff out so that it's not bottled up too much. It's not like you can shelter them from it. Like some of their teachers uh, used to teach there. The principal that was shot actually gave us a tour one time a long time ago. So it was just really hard.
3: Yeah. So what did you say to them?
5: You just sort of reassure them, like um, talk, I guess, talk about all the things that that are in place at their schools that help keep them safe to sort of just let them get out their thoughts and concerns and try to take them on, uh, one at a time.
3: Greg, you said that they were afraid of copycat shootings? D-
5: they hear something like a... a car door slam or something like it, just like little triggers right now because everybody's very sensitive. But they, they've been at the school for many years, so they recognize a lot of the cars. And so if they saw somebody come by too slow, it just, it triggers something. And they know that people like use this as an idea to do something else. And so that's where she told me, like, could there be a copycat that would do something else like this? And so uh, this was her thoughts that she had shared with me.
3: Greg, thank you. In Kentucky, nine people were killed in a crash involving two Army Black Hawk helicopters conducting a nighttime training
7: exercise. Officials say the medical evacuation helicopters belonging to the 101st Airborne Division crashed in a field near a residential area about 30 miles northwest of Fort Campbell. There were no reports of injuries on the ground.
0: We'll immediately initiate an investigation to help us understand what caused this crash.
7: Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin issued a statement saying he's saddened by this latest tragic loss, adding that he's working to make sure troops and families receive the care that they need. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir paid tribute to the fallen soldiers.
0: We are blessed to live in the freest country in the history of planet Earth, but we must remember that that freedom relies on those who are willing to serve, some of which Pay the ultimate price.
7: Skyler Henry, CBS News,
0: Washington.
3: Also this week in Kentucky, lawmakers enacted a ban on gender-affirming care for transgender youth. Correspondent Stephen Portnoy with details.
2: Protesters were pulled out one by one as they tried to disrupt the final vote on a bill banning hormone therapies and sex surgery for minors the use of a student's preferred pronouns, and the teaching of gender identity or sexual orientation in school. The lawmakers' action overrode the veto of Kentucky's Democratic governor, despite the pleadings of a state senator whose transgender son recently died by suicide. A similar bill signed by West Virginia's governor includes a key exception, allowing puberty blockers and hormone therapy if two doctors see a risk of self-harm.
3: In a courtroom in Utah, the jury has sided with actress Gwyneth Paltrow in a case involving a collision on the ski slope seven years ago.
6: What percent of the fault do you assign to Terry Sanderson? One hundred percent.
9: Terry Sanderson sued Paltrow for three hundred thousand dollars, claiming the Oscar winner and lifestyle influencer was skiing out of control and crashed into him in 2016.
10: Serious, serious smack. Never been hit that hard and I'm flying.
5: I'm absolutely flying.
9: The retired optometrist said he suffered serious injuries that continue to plague him. But Paltrow, who was skiing with her children on a beginner run, testified Sanderson crashed into her. I said, you skied directly
4: into my effing back. And he said, oh, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry.
9: The jury awarded
3: Paltrow $1 plus attorney fees. Donia Backus, CBS News. Coming up, the FDA took an extraordinary step this week, making Narcan available over-the-counter.
11: Been long overdue.
3: That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
2: This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move, or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
3: I'm Stacy Lynn. With drug overdose deaths at record high levels, the FDA took an extraordinary step this week. A drug that's used to treat opioid overdoses will now be available without a prescription. The
12: FDA says it's addressing a dire public health need by making Narcan available over the counter.
13: It's been long overdue.
12: Substance abuse expert, Tanya Sorrell says the move will save lives. We've lost more people to opioid overdoses more recently than heart attacks. So having every home with access to Narcan is a method that everyone can have access to this life-saving medication. 66% of overdose deaths in 2021 were from synthetic opioids like fentanyl, according to the latest data available from the CDC. Narcan blocks the effects of opioids on the brain by preventing them from attaching to nerve receptors. Over 90 percent effective. It should restore breathing within two to three minutes. Health officials say if an overdose is suspected, first call 911, then administer one dose of naloxone.
14: It literally just goes in the nose and you just squirt it.
12: Residents in Arlington, Virginia, recently learned how to use it.
5: Let's say that you've given them a dose and you you don't see any response. You can, after two minutes, you can give them another dose.
12: Naloxone is not harmful if used on someone who is not overdosing. We began to train people in CPR to be able to save a life. This is the same type of crisis. So you're helping people in your own home or your friends or your family members. Exactly. The makers of Narcan told CBS News the spray will be available over-the-counter by late summer, but wouldn't say how much it will cost. Several pharmacies, though, now offer it for around $30 to $90. Roxana Saberi, CBS News, Chicago.
3: Hospitals are getting more crowded with kids who have tried to harm themselves. Our Matt Piper reports on a new study that found they're not getting the true help they need.
2: The study shows that between 2009 and 2019, mental health hospitalizations for children increased by 26 percent with an even bigger rise in suicidal behavior. Dr. Christina Crawford, a child psychiatrist at Boston Medical Center, says the ER is not a good place to receive mental health treatment.
11: They're sitting around in the emergency room for a week or so. And really, if we had more supports out in the community so that kids can get the tools and strategies
6: that they need, to cope with all of the stress that they're experiencing. We probably wouldn't
3: see these growing rates.
2: She says health professionals and parents need to take seriously kids who are under stress.
3: Suicide is a big concern in the military. One branch is now deploying more help.
0: The Navy is planning to make chaplains regular members of the crew on ships with more than 300 sailors. They had been stationed only on the largest carriers in the past. The goal is for chaplains who are both clergy in different denominations and naval officers to connect with sailors, believers, and non-believers as life coaches. They're seen as a relief valve for young sailors, especially those who are struggling with mental health issues and the lack of coping mechanisms while at sea. Some often suffer depression and anxiety. Steve Kathan, CBS News.
3: While cases and hospitalizations are down when it comes to COVID, the disease is still very much a part of the everyday lives of Americans battling long COVID. CBS News medical contributor Dr. Celine Gounder met Treva Taylor, whose life has changed forever.
9: It's been an uphill battle for the 57-year-old who told us her COVID diagnosis in January 2021 nearly killed her.
8: It was scary because I remember my eyes being open, but everything was black. The the, the nurse saying to me, you have to fight. The person next to you is dying. And if you don't, you're gonna be in this body bag. You gotta fight.
9: Taylor wasn't vaccinated at the time. She was rushed to the hospital on the same day that she was scheduled to get her first dose of the COVID vaccine. Since then, she's been out of work. And instead of driving to the hospital to her old job as an administrator, she makes the trip multiple times a week for physical therapy.
8: I do my therapy. I come home. I can't move off the couch. So for me, I'm up and down like a roller coaster. One minute I breathe good, next minute I don't. And then when I have a lot of activity for a day, I can be down for 48 hours. Cannot get out the bed.
9: Taylor's become one of millions of Americans to experience long COVID her case so severe that she relies on oxygen to
8: get around.
9: Right here, my love, you did it. Home stretch, look at you. For two years now, she's been visiting NYU's post-COVID care program. It's
8: coming out my throat
9: clear. Where she and 1,000 other patients are treated by pulmonologists like Dr. Rainey Condos.
4: They have what we call symptoms that are associated with their COVID infection, but are now lingering longer, and so long COVID. It is a major problem if you think of the fact that about 25% of patients may end up with long COVID. And if you're talking about millions and millions of patients, you can imagine that that's a large number.
9: Patients with long COVID commonly experience symptoms like fatigue, brain fog, shortness of breath, and chest pain. Now let's compare Treva to other patients with long COVID. How is she similar or different from some of the other patients? So
4: she's fairly representative of the patients with severe COVID that we saw pre-vaccination during the early days of the pandemic. These other patients with long COVID didn't have severe COVID. They had a cold and the cold got better. And then a few months later, they can't get out of bed. Most of the long COVID patients that we're seeing are those that were healthy and now have lingering
9: symptoms. Hush! Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Keep going, you got this, you got this, almost there. One way to monitor those symptoms is through breathing tests, which Taylor receives every six weeks. (coughs) (coughs) While exhausting, the tool measures her lung function and tracks her improvement over time. Easy, relax. In what ways does being a patient in a program like this help patients heal?
4: Many of these patients were going to their primary care doctors, and their primary care doctors were telling them they were crazy and that there was nothing wrong with them and they should just go home and forget it and they felt very
8: unheard. And I think what we're trying to do is provide a place for them to be heard. Hi, yes, I need to reorder oxygen for myself, please. Tell me tanks you are requesting? I'm requesting four tanks, too small, too tall. Trevor, what would you like people to know about long COVID? I would like for people to understand that, first, long COVID is very real. It's not something that's in your head. It's not an imagination. Trust me, I would do anything not be like this every day getting up is a fight every day to breathe is a fight but it's worth the fight because i love people and people give me energy and as long as i can show a fight i know that there's a chance
3: humans are living much longer these days but just how long is actually possible the answer might surprise you.
14: A new study from the University of Georgia finds that people who were born after 1940 could live to be 140 years old, with 50 percent of them reaching the age of 125. Experts say that, of course, there are many factors that go into a person's longevity, but as humans, we have not yet approached the maximum limit of human lifespan. Jen Clark, CBS News.
3: Up next, a grande hearing on Capitol Hill, where Starbucks' former CEO told lawmakers...
5: Starbucks Coffee Company unequivocally has not broken the law.
3: That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
0: Welcome back
2: to the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
3: I'm Stacey Lynn. Starbucks is facing allegations of union busting. On Capitol Hill this week, the chain's former CEO was in the hot seat defending himself. CBS's Nicole Killian says tempers were brewing. With
13: a cup of Starbucks by his side, former CEO Howard Schultz defended the company he founded. We've created five million jobs from a cup of coffee as some steaming senators poured on. And these workers are out there struggling today. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders led the hearing to probe the coffee chain's labor practices, accusing them of being anti-union and breaking the law.
7: Starbucks violated federal
0: labor law over 100 times during the past 18 months. Sir, Starbucks coffee company unequivocally has not broken the law.
13: Nearly 300 stores have unionized since the first store in Buffalo in 2021, including Sarah Pappins in Seattle.
14: I think really changed the dynamic in our store. Um, How did it change? It really just brought us together.
13: None have reached collective bargaining agreements.
0: They have no rights. Is there a union contract that you personally are aware of that provides comprehensive health insurance, equity in the form of stock option? Schultz
13: argued the company is negotiating in good faith. I am hearing about Starbucks
15: refusing to allow credit card tipping, cutting employee hours.
10: It's quite personal
0: when you bring up things that you've heard that are not true.
13: Republicans pointed the finger at Democrats instead of Schultz.
0: For folks who uh, have never created a single job in their
2: life, uh, to grill someone who's created hundreds of thousands of jobs, it's really uh, extraordinary. Sanders
13: says this isn't about taking extra shots.
7: So really what's going on with Starbucks impacts workers all over the country.
13: Senator Sanders hopes Starbucks can reach agreement with some of its unions in the coming weeks. Founder Howard Schultz stepped down as interim CEO this month, but his successor says he plans to do a barista shift once a month to stay close to the company's culture.
3: That's Nicole Killian on Capitol Hill. So why is the case that kicked off the entire true crime podcast craze back in the headlines? Here's CBS's Jared
1: Hill. Nearly six months after Adnan Syed walked out of a Maryland courthouse, cleared of the murder of his former girlfriend, Heyman Lee, more than 20 years before, new uncertainty over whether he'll have to go back behind bars. Tuesday, a Maryland appellate court reinstated Syed's murder conviction, ordering a new hearing, that decision based on a procedural technicality. Two out of three judges on the panel ruled a lower court failed to give sufficient notice to the victim's family when it scheduled the hearing that vacated Syed's conviction. Lee's brother, who lives across the country in California, was told on a Friday afternoon about that hearing the following Monday. So he attended via Zoom. They just want it to be done the right way. That's all they're asking for. In what seemed to be the final episode in Syed's case, chronicled on the popular podcast Serial. Back in September, Baltimore prosecutors moved to vacate Syed's conviction. They reviewed the case, finding there were other suspects and unreliable evidence used in his trial. This decision only puts the case back in the position it was in before that hearing took place. In a statement, Syed's lawyer emphasized the appeal, quote, was not about Adnan's innocence, but rather the court's scheduling. For now, 41-year-old Syed remains a free man. The court's order doesn't take effect for 60 days.
3: All right, it's crunch time, people. The tax filing deadline is fast approaching. You need some help? CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger is here with some last-minute tips. And first things first, Jill, the filing deadline is not April 15th like usual this year. You do get a little extra wiggle room, right?
6: Yeah,
11: this is so confounding. I mean, I think if you live in the D.C. area, you kind of get like, oh, yes, there's Emancipation Day. And everyone else says, what? So this is a holiday that is celebrated in Washington, D.C. And that means that because of where things fall, the the actual filing deadline is now on the 18th. Um, And also, by the way, there are some places that have been impacted by storms and hurricanes and horrible weather, and you should check, there are many places where you have an extension to your filing deadline because of that as well.
3: And anyone really can file for an extension, right? It's just going to cost you?
11: Well, all right, here's the thing with an extension. The extension gives you an extra six months to file your returns, but not to pay. Now that's usually not a big issue because many people, when they are working, have taxes, withheld. And so they have enough money to cover their tax bill. But let's say you're the person who had a huge increase in pay last year, you were really lucky. And the increase in pay is much more than maybe you had the previous year. And maybe you went from being an employee to a self-employed person, or you had some side hustle income come in, you've got to estimate what you think you owe and pay that or else you will be subject to penalty and fees and you don't want that. So again, if you can get it done, it's not that hard. I promise 90% of taxpayers are filing using the standard deduction. And if that is you, you should be able to crank this out with plenty of time.
3: Let's say though someone really does owe money and they really don't have the funds to pay it right now. What are the options there?
11: You can get the ability to just file um, a form essentially and it you create an installment plan that's a very easy thing to do okay Um, you can request additional time to pay through the online payment agreement application but you can work with the irs they'll figure out a way to get you to pay
3: let's talk tax credits Jill. give us an idea of some things that could get us some money back or help us lower what we owe
11: okay So you may have heard of something called EITC that stands for earned income tax credit. It's aimed at workers who've got low to moderate income. It's about $59,000 or less. And the IRS says that actually a lot of people miss out on this credit. They don't know if they're eligible. So you go to irs.gov, you go to the EITC calculator, and you can really look to see if you qualify. This is thousands of dollars. You probably have heard of the child tax credit last year they boosted the child tax credit now we're back to pre-pandemic levels and that's a maximum of two thousand dollars per qualifying child who's under the age of 17. and a lot of these do phase out based on income but this is a big income hurdle The income at which the tax credit for the child tax credit phases out is $200,000 for an individual, $400,000 if you're married filing jointly. There's a child independent care credit, there's a credit for other dependents. There's the American Opportunity Credit, which is qualified education expenses. There's the Savers Tax Credit. So there's a whole bunch of credits out there that are so valuable that I hesitate to tell you that we should be rebranding tax season as Find the Money Season.
3: Love that, Jill. CBS Business Analyst, Jill Schlesinger. Coming up, The Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys.
16: Gentrification leads to displacement and displacement leads to homelessness
3: that's next on the cbs news weekend roundup
2: on the cbs news weekend roundup
3: welcome to the kaleidoscope with allison keys where we discuss issues including race This week, we take a look at climate gentrification. This is a new trend where richer people are moving in and taking over some black and brown communities. Allison spoke with Mackenzie Marcelin, the climate justice director for Florida Rising. This is an advocacy group which builds political power in these communities. She asked him to elaborate on what climate gentrification is all about.
16: Developers seeing the phenomenon, right, of the the climate crisis, the coastline was like the prime, prime real estate, but flooding, multiple floodings and, and, and again, as the, the climate crisis is exasperated developers are starting to see like, okay, the, the land that are further inland that has higher elevation is the prime area. Thinking about through, through history, like Black communities, lower income communities weren't allowed uh, along that coastline. So, and the, and through racism and redlining, were forced inland. So again, now developers are seeing like, oh, well, that's where it's at.
15: What neighborhoods are we talking about? Little Haiti, I think, and Liberty City. So now developers are looking at these places that have been seen as by people that don't live there as poor dangerous neighborhoods but now they're suddenly a hot place to
16: move. Liberty City, Little Haiti, Overtown, those were areas where, where black communities and 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 immigrant communities were forced into. We were able to to, to make it thrive and make it our, our community and have that, you know, Overtown, Liberty City and and Little Haiti. These are all beautiful and culturally rich places that that for decades that black communities and Haitian communities really built up and made and, and made whole and like again, you know, we're starting to see where where where, where that they they're flipping the, those property. They're forcing people out through business, like um, force you know buying out either through buying out their businesses, which you know it's understandable because you know like uh, you know uh you know as a as a per, you know personal uh, business you know as a personal business owner you're probably like okay, well I need the money because the rents are going up the 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 the, the rents going up on 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 this housing and and so like. I need to buy out, but there's a larger picture that's existing, and and yeah, and developers are are forcing them out through through either. Uh, buying them out or forcing them out through, uh, again, raising rent prices. And so, like, that's that's what's happening. So
15: what does that mean for the neighborhoods? I mean, the same thing is happening, frankly, all over the country, right, in Washington, D.C., and Chicago. Mm -hmm. So people come in, they pay $8 million for a house that was worth nothing. What happens to these neighborhoods when developers come in and buy up houses and buy up businesses? What happens to the people that already live there?
16: Gentrification leads to displacement and displacement leads to homelessness and that's what's happening well, folks are being displaced people are being forced out of their neighborhoods and they have nowhere to go and where they what they are going are areas where their their housing units are in disarray like leaving marginalized communities and vulnerable rental re- rental units leaking roofs and and toxic you know situations and areas that are more prone to flooding because that's where those are the, the the areas where the housing market's low because okay this areas Prone to flooding, folks are being forced in the areas where their neighborhoods are are in disarray, and and that's the only areas that they can afford. It, it's leading to you know a higher homeless homelessness population. It's, it's leading to communities being in in less efficient homes and leaving folks worse off.
15: So, talk to me about why it wouldn't be a good thing, perhaps, to get a bunch of money for your home or for your business in a neighborhood where you may or may not have been struggling before.
16: I'm thinking about like climate adaptation, right? Just think about like the Inflation Reduction Act, where there's a bunch of money that is coming down for to for businesses and and communities and homes and 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 even housing units, where they're they're providing for more energy efficiency. You can get better appliances and and things like that. And these are great things. But what's stopping landlords from saying, "Oh, well, I got all these new changes and new additions to my uh, my unit"? What's stopping them from raising the rent? You know, I, I think that's the intersection with climate and housing because the the rents going up, and there's nothing that they can do about that, and and they're being forced again, forced into areas that are older homes, and and it's it's not good for the community, it's not good for the individual uh, uh, at all because they're not seeing those changes, they're not getting those those riches um, um, needed uh, to thrive and to live.
15: So, what are some of the policies? You'd think that might help Florida both prepare for this influx of people moving to neighborhoods that were just fine before a bunch of money came in. How do you do that, protect the communities and protect your state against climate change?
16: We need protections for tenants. We need more community land trusts where where a community has a say on what's being built in their community. You know, they need a, a rent control where despite any changes that are that are happening to the neighborhood, uh, to the housing unit. That they are secure in their housing. We need higher wages where folks can't afford their rent. They can't afford their energy bills. And again, that's not saying we, we shouldn't uh, adapt. You know, we need more trees. We need uh, better air quality. We need um uh, to design roads that prevent uh, prevent from floodings. We need walkable neighborhoods to to lessen our dependency on cars that emit pollutants and fossil fuel emissions. We need access to healthy foods, uh, improved weatherizations for our homes that, and, and allowing them to be more energy efficient. But all those changes, it sounds like a really nice neighborhood, a really nice neighborhood. But again, what's stopping the landlords from saying, oh, wow, these are all really nice changes. Well, I'm going to raise the rent 400 to $500 because it's such a nice neighborhood.
15: What are your suggestions For people that are living in these neighborhoods, right, where the developers are coming in, do they stay, do they go? If I own a house... Say that's Mm -hmm. been in my family for 40 years, and somebody comes in and offers me one million dollars for said house. What are you suggesting that I do?
16: When you start seeing developers come through and 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 start offering prices on your on your your home or your business or anything, I think this is when you start organizing. You start you 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 come together as a community and start demanding more community control, more rent stabilization. I think that's what we all need to do and think about the community and, and organize together and say, we need more tenants rights. We need more rights as a, as a, as a community or what's being built in our neighborhood and ensuring that as things come through that we have access to those things. Personally, I understand the need to not lose out on, on anything. You see that number that comes through and you're, you're just like, I need to take it or I'm going to lose everything. But I think it's important to think about the communities, about your neighbors and making sure that as a, as a collective, that we are all moving forward, that we all have access to to the things that we need.
15: Is there any legislation that you know of in Florida right now to address
16: any of this? At the local level, folks are really fighting to assure that, again, that tenants uh, have more protections. And I think that's so crucial Florida Rising, the Miami Workers Center, a bunch of organizations are working at the local level to secure rights for, for, for tenants and neighborhoods and ensure more community control.
3: That's Mackenzie Marcelin with Florida Rising. Coming up, play ball. Baseball's back with some new rules. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
2: Sound the gifting panic alarm. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup...
3: I'm Stacy Lynn. You heading to the ballpark this weekend? There are some new baseball rules this year, so grab a hot dog and a cold one as CBS's Steve Futterman gets us up to speed.
7: It is a new era in baseball. Season first pitch, the 2023 campaign. The changes include greatly limiting infield shifts. No longer will all infielders be able to move to one side of the field. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred says the league is responding to the desires of fans.
0: They wanted a game with more action, better pace. The
7: other major change is the pitch clock. Pitchers will now have 15 to 20 seconds to throw the ball, depending on whether there's a base runner. It's all about speeding up the game. The new rules were used in preseason contests, and they worked, reducing the length of games on an average by more than 20 minutes. L.A. Dodger pitcher Clayton Kershaw spoke after his final preseason appearance.
5: I think we're used to it now. Um, I think it's it's getting what we want. I mean, the game today was two hours and whatever minutes. So, I mean, hopefully they sell enough beer, you know.
7: The L.A. Angels' Mike Trout, one of the game's biggest names, also likes the new rules.
10: Definitely these moments that, uh, you know, obviously you want to try to avoid, but I, I, I like it. Why? I just like it speeds up the game. You know, it's just uh, you're not waiting around, a lot of action, and uh, yeah, I like it.
7: But what will it be like in a tense, big game in the ninth inning when pitchers traditionally have taken lots of time between pitches? The LA Angels' Carlos Estevez says it will be a lot different.
10: Because, you know, like those big spots, you know, you need your time. Take a deep breath, you know. Like, make sure you got you like uh, what pitch you want and everything. I
7: mean, the game can be on the line.
10: Yes, that's the thing. Uh, that's that's when things, you know, crunch time. When you get that, I'm like, okay.
7: As for the fans, some approve. I actually do like it, and some do not.
10: It's too fast. It's too
5: fast.
7: In the end, the new rules are designed to appeal to younger fans who may be getting a bit tired of baseball, but are the future of the game.
5: The baseball ownerships trying to figure out what to do with the new kids, the next generation of players. Guys like me, we get it. But it's my kids that don't want to sit here for five or six hours that they're prying adjusting for that.
7: Steve Futterman, CBS News, Los Angeles. Maybe you'd rather skip the ballpark and head to a movie
3: instead. Dungeons and Dragons fans are geeking out with the fantasy role-playing game coming to life on the big screen. Natalie Morales caught up with one of the stars of the new D&D flick, actor Chris Pine. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons Honor
6: Among Thieves puts an adventurous twist on the popular fantasy role-playing game. But given the fan loyalty, Chris Pine was a little hesitant when it came to taking on the starring role of Edgin Darvis.
10: I got the script and I was like, I don't know if I want to do Dungeons and Dragons. I don't really know anything about it. And my nephew had asked to come over to play the game at my house. When I watched him play, the joy of it, you, know, you don't have to know anything about dragons or anything about the world, it's just play.
6: How do you think the film represents the game?
10: We've had a lot of, you know, very diehard fans watch it, and it seems like we've found a, a bit of resonance there. It's chaotic, it's joyful, it's fun, it's frustrating, it's sad, it's all the feels, you know?
6: He connected with his character, Edgin, a charismatic thief who is never short on wit so you make plans
10: that fail no he also plays the lute Holgan, not relevant again <laughs> is a the world's greatest actor and liar so i think a lot of people see themselves in this film you have one character holga who lost her family you have my character who lost his family and the idea of desiring company and family and friendship and community is very human and i think that's really at the heart of our film Holga i could kiss you try it
6: Edgin, along with his oh, best friend holga played by Michelle Rodriguez, go on a mission seeking redemption from his daughter and revenge against a friend turned foe, played by Hugh Grant.
2: I don't want to see you die, which is why I'm gonna leave the room.
6: I imagine it had to be somewhat liberating being the guy and having this badass woman come to the rescue.
1: Well, I mean,
2: look,
10: I grew up in a family of very strong women. Oh,
1: we got him now.
10: That is not a new experience for me.
6: Kine grew up in Los Angeles with his actress mother Gwyn and his father Robert who starred on the popular TV series chips.
10: What I'll say about my parents both is that I grew up in an intensely creative environment they certainly were wary of me going down the path because it's a tough road, but once I once I was into it they supported me wholeheartedly. What admiral's daughter.
6: That support has led to a number of Hollywood blockbusters and reboots As Captain Kirk in the Star Trek trilogy. I'm a spy. And Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman. At 42, Pine says he's all about living in the moment now. Well, how do we pull that
10: off? Uh. Figure it out over a drink. Probably best. What I'm trying to do is really follow my joy.
3: I'm Natalie Morales in Los Angeles. Okay, let's talk about now who's making a whole lot of dough. The highest paid entertainers right now. are a bunch of old dudes. Genesis tops Forbes'
11: 2022 list of highest paid entertainers after selling the group's music rights for $300 million. Number two... Ding, who sold his entire catalog for 300 mil. Next. I hope y'all can appreciate what I'm going to try to do. Tyler Perry, the guys from South Park. And Brad Pitt, who topped the Rolling Stones by selling his movie production company for an estimated $113 million. Deborah Rodriguez,
3: CBS News. Adele was supposed to wrap up her residency at Caesars Palace in Vegas last weekend, but she's changed her mind.
4: Playing to 4,000 people for 34 nights is not enough, and I I know it's not enough,
6: so I am coming back. The British singer will be back for a few weeks in June and plans to film the show for a later release.
4: And then I'll be back from the summer, back in August until
6: the end of fall. No word on exactly how many more shows she's adding or how much tickets will cost. Tickets for these last few shows average thousands of dollars. Monica Ricks, CBS News.
3: And finally, if a bowl of cereal or toast isn't your breakfast jam, Neeson Foods is now out with a limited edition breakfast cup noodles for you to slurp. Breakfast cup noodles. And naturally, the TikTokers are all over the sweet, savory carby cup. (laughs) We're gonna try it. it. Smells like maple syrup. There's little sausage pieces, there's little egg pieces. A company spokesman described it as a classic diner breakfast in a cup. Wait, this is actually
6: pretty good.
3: And if you're wondering if this is some kind of April Fool's joke, it's not. In fact, it's the company's second weird limited release. Remember last fall, they came out with a pumpkin spice ramen, too. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with my toast. And that's going to do it for the Weekend Roundup. Thanks so much for listening. The show is always online on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We want to get your feedback. You can drop us a line at weekendroundup at cbsnews.com and let us know where and how you're listening. The Weekend Roundup is produced at the CBS News Washington Bureau. I'm Stacey Lynn, CBS News.
0: If you like CBS News Roundup, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey.
14: Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground. And I heard somebody say, call 911. You can listen to Happily Never After Dan and Nancy early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes Podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode.